somebody asked me if I if I'm uh, can speak Spanish. I said, no, I can't even speak English. And uh, but uh, I love to hear them sing. And thank you for being so kind to us this week. And uh, let me call your attention uh, where I can get right into the message tonight. It's about a four-hour message, so I need to get I need to get right into it. Okay, I believe you would sit there. Yeah, Acts chapter one tonight. Acts chapter one, verse thirteen, verse fourteen. Mark that in your Bible, and then turn to Acts chapter two, one through four. Put another marker there. And turn to Acts chapter 2, verse 37, 38, and verse 41. What I want to preach to you tonight is a very important message. And um, the title of it is The Power of Revival. The Power of Revival. The Lord gave me this message many years ago, and um, I didn't preach it. And uh, I guess about a year ago, I was looking through this notebook. And I have notebooks each year. And, and um, so I looked at this one. And I, I thought, wow, I don't even remember working on this message. And, um, and so here about a year ago, I started using this message about the wind of revival, and I have seen the wind blow in different churches. And then I, I don't see it blow in some churches. And I wonder, I wonder why. Why does it blow in this church and not in this church? And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of let you know about that tonight and tomorrow night. Uh, we're going to preach point one tonight, and then the Lord's willing, we're going to preach point two and three tomorrow night. Tonight is four hours, tomorrow night is six hours, okay? And um, let's stand for the reading of the Bible. Uh, in Acts chapter 1, verse 13, it, it lists a bunch of men's names here. And then in verse 14, it says these all, all these, all these men, these all, every one of them, continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with, with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren, all continued. You need to underline all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. And then look in Acts chapter 2, verse 1 down to verse 4. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all, and you need to underline that little word, all, again. We're all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. And it set upon each of them. You need to underline each of them. And they were all, again, underline all, 
filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues or other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now turn with me to Acts chapter 2 and verse 37, 38, and verse 41. And when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. 3,000 souls were saved in one day, added to the 120. And in one day, and the reason in one day, because they were all in one accord, they were all full of the Holy Ghost, and they all wanted to do God's will. They were everyone to no disagreements in among them. They were just in one accord, and they loved God, and the Holy Ghost gave them power, and three thousand souls were saved in one day. Can that happen today? It can happen today. Let's pray. Father, I love you. I love you with all my heart, and I pray tonight as I bring this message, Lord, that I can be very loving very sensitive, very caring. Because, Lord, my brothers and sisters, they are hungry. They are here tonight to receive something from you. And I want to be a blessing to them. Then there's maybe someone here tonight that's lost. And if there is, I pray in Jesus' name that they'll be born again. Lord, I'm not asking you to save them just to save them. I'm asking you to save them tonight. And I know that they have a free will, and I know that they can say yes or they can say no, but I'm interceding that they will say yes to your invitation. Thank you. I sure love you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Look at Acts chapter 2 again in verse 1 and 2. We're going to look at a lot of scripture. Um, I'm a Bible. I'm a Bible preacher, Amen. And I love to use the Bible. I just love to use the Bible. Been using it a long time. Look in Acts chapter two now, in verse one and two. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all filled with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and filled all the house where they were sitting. Now, when we look throughout the Scripture, and we see the sovereign operation of the Holy Spirit being lightened to the wind of God, think, for instance, of, of the words of God to the prophet of Ezekiel in, when he bade him. Look in Ezekiel 37 in verse 9, uh, giving you a little bit of history about the wind of God. Uh, prophesy unto the wind, the Bible says. Prophesy, the Son of Man. 
and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breathe, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. Ezekiel 37 in verse 9. And then we recall that evening scene when Jesus talked with the puzzled Nicodemus. If you'll remember that story, most everybody knows that story. And doubtless at the moment that he was speaking to Nicodemus, the light of the evening breezes was playing uh, on, their, on their faces. And the Lord said, unto Nicodemus in John chapter 3 and verse 8, The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but cannot tell whence it cometh or whether it goeth. So is every man that is born of the Spirit. John 3 and verse 8. There is a suddenness and a searchingness and, and sovereignty about the wind of God. When we think about the wind of God, it is a wonderful, wonderful thing. As I have said, I've, I've seen the wind blow upon certain churches, and I have seen the wind not blow in certain churches. And I wonder, I wonder what is, what, why does he blow over here and he doesn't blow over here? Well, over here, it may be they, they are really seeking the wind of God. They are wanting the wind of God to blow on their lives. And they want the Holy Spirit to do a work in their life. And this crowd over here may not want that. This church over here may not want that. And so we have a will. We, we can either have the wind of God in our churches or we cannot have the wind of God in our churches. I can have the wind of God in, in my life, uh, in my personal life, or I can reject the, the Spirit of God or the wind of God or the wind of revival. And, and, but I believe I'm talking to a group of people that really want the wind of God to blow upon your church and upon your life. And um, I, I, I love to read. I read all the time. I wake up reading. I go to bed reading. I just love to read. And I read this about Dr. G. Campbell Morgan. He made this remark about revival. He said, we cannot organize revival, but we can set ourselves to catch the wind from heaven when God chooses to blow upon his people once again. And I believe he has chosen to blow upon the world again. I believe he wants to very badly. And, but, but, we, but we as God's people must, must be in one accord. We must, we must be one. We must have that unity among us, and we must get along with one another, and we must love one another. Amen. Amen. We got to have that before we can have that win. And if you read the book of Acts, you'll see that that is one of the essentials to having that wind blow upon. They were in one accord. They were full of the Holy Ghost. And, 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 and God says, I can bless that. I can bless that. And I have seen, Brother Reno, I have seen people try, and you have too, try to organize revival. What You can't organize it. When it happens, it's wonderful. 
and, and, and I saw it. I saw it in Asheboro, North Carolina. I saw it in Georgia. I saw it in Pennsylvania. And I have seen it in other places. Just the wind of God begin to blow. And it's wonderful when the wind of God begins to blow upon his people. I want to suggest from these verses before us that setting our sails for the power of revival or the wind of revival involves three things. I want you, I want you to write down this first thing. And this is all we're going to deal with tonight, this first thing. And I'm going to talk uh, very slow. I'm going to talk as, uh, I'm a Georgia boy, I talk slow anyway. Uh, but we're going to talk even slower tonight because I want you to get this first point. The first point to the wind of God to blow among us is preparation. we got to have preparation. Tomorrow night we'll deal with supplication and expectation tomorrow night. Let's look at the first one, preparation. Look in Acts chapter 2 and verse 1 again. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all, they were all filled with one accord in one place. And the Lord Jesus, before he went to the cross, told his disciples to go to Jerusalem. Guys, I want you to go to Jerusalem, and I want you to tarry there until, until you are endued with power from on high. I want you to go to Jerusalem. I want you to go, go up in this little room, and I want you to tarry there until... Listen to the actual words in Luke 24, 49. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. And then in obedience, these disciples, they, they, they took that command. They went into the city of Jerusalem. They went up into the room and they sat there. Why? They were getting ready to get prepared. That was a time of preparation for them. And in this preparation, church, it involved a oneness of mind. I tell churches all the time, if you're going to be blessed of God, you must have a oneness of mind. And so in Acts 2, let me remind you again, they were all filled with one accord in one place. That's the key. And so 11 times in the New Testament, or ten, on 10 occasions in the book of Acts, we read that they were of one accord. One accord. That's the key. You ought to write it down somewhere in the leaf of your Bible. For the wind of God to blow, we must have oneness of mind. And this unity of mind seems to be an essential factor in the process of preparation for the power or the wind of revival. After 54 years of preaching, I have came to the conclusion that the two outstanding conditions for revival are unity and prayer. You can't get around it. Unity and prayer, our unity and a relationship with God. You have heard me say many times, prayer is a relationship 
with God. It's not necessarily posture, kneeling, laying, standing, with your eyes closed, with your eyes open, with your hands up. None of that necessarily. But it's a relationship, a daily relationship with God. Recognizing his, his, his awareness, recognizing his presence, and not just going to God with our hands open, but we go to God to seek his face. I've said it three times this week. I never want to just go to God with my hands open all the time and give me, give me, give me. I want to be able to go and realize that I need him because he is my father. And I am to seek his face. Amen. And not give me, give me, give me. But Lord, I'm just here not to ask you for one thing. I'm just here to say I love you. Amen. When was the last time you walked into the presence of God and just said, I'm not here to ask for one thing. I just want you to know I love you. Amen. Isn't it wonderful whenever your children walks into the room and they don't ask you for nothing, but they just hug you and say, Dad, Mom, I sure love you. Don't it just make you, make you feel real good? Well, that's the way God, God with God. But, but most of the time, most of prayers and most prayer meetings and, and most requests is, is about physical things. And I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but you won't find that in the Bible. Paul talks about spiritual things. All of his requests were spiritual things. And you know, I believe we ought to get back to those days, of those biblical days, when we just go to God and say, God, I just want to be a better child. I want, I want to be a better witness. I want to be a better Bible student. I want to be a better prayer warrior. Instead of, Lord, I got a bad heel. Would you take care of it? And, and all this stuff. And Lord, my throat's sore. And my hair's falling out. And Lord, I, I, I just want you to, to do all these things for me. No, I have learned in the last 20 years. Just say, God, I love you. I love you. Amen? And I have learned to just try to, try to have unity among the brethren. And I have learned to try to have unity among my immediate family. I have learned. I have learned. And that's what God wants us. He wants us to have that oneness of mind. Would you, would you turn to Psalms 133 and verse 1? Autumn, is this my water? Okay, thank you. Psalms 133 and verse 1. Listen to this, Berean Baptist Church. Behold, how good. Behold, church, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And having stated that fact, the psalmist goes on to say in verse 2, It is like the precious ointment 
upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garment. And then changing the analogy here, the psalmist continues in verse 3, and the dew of Hermon, and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessings, even life forevermore. Church, what is the Holy Spirit saying to us in this psalm? What is he saying to you as a child of God tonight? What is he saying to Brother Beckham as, as, as one of his children and also as a preacher of the gospel? What is he saying to me in this psalm? I believe it is that if he wants, if he's saying, Benny, if you want the oil of fragrance in your life, you want the dew of freshness in your life, if you want the fullness of blessings that comes with a heaven-sent revival, it will be only as you dwell together in unity. That's the key. Whether it's in a home, whether it's in a church, it doesn't matter. God wants you and I to get along. Amen? Amen? The church did in the book of Acts, and God blessed it in a great way. And God will bless us, church, if we will just love him. And, if, and I have learned, if you love him, you're going to love one another. Amen. Simple stuff. Elementary, kindergarten stuff. And so we have to have an openness of mind. Number two, in this work of preparation, there was also an openness of heart. A self-examination was carried out in that upper room that day. They rehearsed from the scripture and experienced the sad and the tragic story of Judas. There they are. And they are, they, are, they, are going, they are rehearsing that as they sat in that little upper room. The traitor in the camp, the man who ministered with them, who walked with the Savior and who held the treasury and yet whose heart was not perfect before God, but he walked with the Lord even like the others did. But he betrayed him. He walked away. And in their attempt to find a successor for him, they prayed. And listened to their prayer in Acts chapter 1 and verse 24 and 25. Thou, Lord, which knoweth the heart of all men, show whether of these two thou hast chosen that he may take part of this ministry and the apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go into his own place. He was, it was a prayer for searching, for examination, for judgment. And there was an oneness of heart, and God will never send revival blessing while there is sin unconfessed. Yes. Write it down. While hearts are closed to the blaze of his glory and to the light that reveals evil, as long 
as there is unconfessed sin, the wind will never blow. It won't happen. He that covereth his sin will not prosper. That's what God says. And if you're, if you're covering your sin tonight and you might think, well, nobody knows about it, there is someone that knows about it. Amen. His name is Jehovah. His name is God. And where does he live, folks? He lives within you. Hello? He lives within you. He's de- he doesn't float around in the heavenly. He doesn't live in this building here. He lives within us. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. He knows all about us. So why should we even try to cover something? Psalms 139 tells you that he is everywhere. So why try to hide something? You can't hide it. He knows where it's at. And he won't bless you and he won't bless me as long as we try to cover it. But if we'll uncover it and if we'll be honest and if we'll confess it openly, God says, now I can bless. Now I, can, now I can love you like I want to love you. Now, now I can. So you're sitting here tonight, and you're looking at me. You're listening very well. You always have. And you're listening. I want to remind you of some, another story in the Bible while you're thinking about what I just said. Look in John chapter 4. The woman of Samaria, here she is standing at Jacob's well. Jesus came by. And I want you to get this. Think about this. Before the Lord Jesus could minister the living water to the woman of Samaria in John chapter 4. Now listen to this. He had to probe deep into her heart. And he had to expose her sin. And until she was cleansed, she could not receive the water of the Spirit. Think about that. She lied to Jesus. So he began to probe into her heart. And I'm going to say it again. Listen to it. He had to probe real deep into her heart, and he had to expose her sin, and... And at that moment, she received the water of the Spirit. What is God going to have to do to you for you to experience the wind of the Holy Spirit upon your life? How far is he going to have to probe into your life? How deep conviction is he going to have to put you in to get you to the point that you will say, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of living this kind of life. 
God, I want you to come into my life and save my soul. I want you to come into my life and give me my joy back. Give me my love back. Give me my blessings back. I'm tired of it. That's revival, by the way. And so, looking over the first book, four chapters of the book of Acts of the Apostles, you will find that in chapter 2, the disciples were filled with the Holy Ghost. By the time we reach chapter 4, it is evident that something had happened. What happened? The wind blowed. The wind began to blow. I love it when the wind begins to blow. And then in chapter 5, sin enters the camp again. All all this wonderful stuff happening. And then all of a sudden, in chapter 5, sin enters the camp again. What happened in chapter 5? Look at it. In chapter 5, we are introduced to Ananias and his, and his wife, Sapphira. And, and what they did, they lied to the Holy Ghost. Folks, it's, it's a dangerous thing to lie to God. That, it's dangerous. It's dangerous to sit in a, in a, in a, in a chair or in a pew and hear the word of God preach, and the Holy Spirit speak to you, and you don't respond. That's dangerous. You understand that? You understand how important it is to listen and to respond in a positive way? Well, Ananias and Sapphira, what they did, they held back part of their offering. See, God doesn't want part of you. He wants all of you. Why does he want all of you and me? Because he paid the price for us. We don't even belong to ourselves. I hear people say, Brother Beckham, it's my life. When I pastored those 20 years, uh, members would say, I'm moving. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And I said, have you prayed about it? Have you even thought about it? Have you even talked to God about it? Have you, have you went to this place and looked for a church and see if there was a good fundamental church there? And I bring up all this stuff to make them think. Then they take off. Then I hear that they, their homes busted up. Mom and dad separated. Children's messed up. Lied. Well, Ananias and Sapphira, they didn't move to another country. When they lied, God took care of it right there. And the Bible says that they fell dead. Boom. We don't hear much preaching on this. 
that they lack. And God said, Peter, you told them the truth. They just dropped it. It's a serious thing to live for God. It's a serious thing. When you say you love him, prove it. I hear it all the time. People tell me, I love God, Brother Beckham. I said, are you faithful to your church? Well, I go on Sunday morning, but, um, you know, with this virus thing going on, and Brother Beckham, I, no, I don't, I don't go. I'm not faithful. I said, do you pray? Do you read your Bible? Do you tithe? Do you give to missions? Do you soul win? Do you live a separated life? They just look at me, preacher. They look at me like, what in the world are you talking about? John 14, 21. That's what I'm talking about. If you have my commandments and keepeth them, it is he that loveth me. Amen. And you can tell Brother Reno all day long, and you can tell uh, you can tell the church all day long, I love God. But if you're not keeping the commandments of God, you don't love God. Brother Beckham, don't tell me I don't love God. I'm just telling you what the book says. And if you don't keep the commandments of God, we have the word. I see Bibles all over the place. Open Bibles. And and you're taking notes and you're doing all this stuff. And you're listening very well. But are you keeping this See, if you're not keeping this, the wind will never blow upon you. Whether you're a preacher, whether you're a missionary, whether you're just a lay person in the church, it doesn't matter if you claim to know Christ as your Savior and you do not have a oneness of mind and an openness of heart, you might as well forget it. Having revival in your heart. Boy, don't we need revival. So Peter detected their deceit and judged it in the fear of God. And I'm going to say it again. They fell dead. That is what's happening to our churches across America. Our churches are just falling. They're just dying. 1,500 of them, uh, 1,500, I, I, I didn't check it out like I, like I wanted to. But someone told me 1,500 a week or a month, preachers falling out of the ministry. They're just dying, just falling out on the, on the wayside. Lay people by the hundreds and thousands are just quit, just quitting on God. Why? There's no oneness of mind, no oneness of heart. And the wind's not blowing. Amen? But I'll tell you something. 
The wind's been blowing here this week. And the wind's blowing tonight. I hear it blowing. I see it. I see the countenance on your face, your countenance. That it, and, and your countenance is saying the wind is blowing. But what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? Are you going to open your mind? You're going to open your heart to the to the uh, to the Lord. See, when these folks fell dead, a great fear, a great grace, great power came down upon this Christian assembly, and signs and wonders were done by the apostle, and many believed on the name of Jesus, and the wind and power of revival was felt once again, and that could take place right here. Someone said, what happened in Pennsylvania? The wind began to blow. I sat on the platform every night. I sat on the very far end. Pastor sat way over on that end. Song leader here, somebody else, some staff or and I would sit there, and the wind would be blowing. Alders are packed full. People bringing sin down the aisles, throwing it in a big old, three big old trash cans. Men standing all over the congregation, confessing all types of vile sins. Moms and dads getting back together. Young people getting right with mom and dad. Staff and all kinds of people walking down the aisles. Previous pastors, previous the men that was used to pastor churches walking down the aisles and getting right with God. The wind began to blow. It was so strong, Brother Greeno. I was almost afraid to move. I was almost afraid to move. I sat there and I said, I, I can't preach. I can't, I can't do this. I can't preach tonight. The power of God. And I looked down at the preacher and I looked out in the auditorium and a good friend of mine was sitting there. And you know, you know Brother Stacy Shiflett, who's sitting right there. I looked out at him, and I thought, Lord, you want Brother Stacy to preach. That's the reason why I feel like I do. I remember getting up, and I walked down. I walked down. And as I was walking to Brother Stacy. I got almost to him, and he said to me, Preacher, I'm almost ready. He already knew it. Before I even got to him, he said, I'm almost ready. I'll be ready in just a few minutes. I said, all right. I walked back up on the platform. The wind was a-blowing. The wind was blowing. People was walking the aisle. People was uh, just doing business with the Lord. And Brother Stace got up. 
and began to preach the word of God. And the wind blowed and blowed. And, and then it blowed upon 80 of his prayer, uh, his members that he had with him. And they went back to Maryland. And the wind began to blow in Maryland. And it went to church to church to church in Maryland. And then it went to New Jersey. Then it went to New York. And it went all over that part of the world. The wind began to blow. It was wonderful. But where did it start? It started with obedience. It started with people being honest and just saying, You're right, Lord. I'm not right with you. But I want to be. Church, are you, are you longing for revival? Are you praying for the Holy Ghost to blow upon the church of Jesus Christ? Are you, are you praying tonight, God, blow upon me. Blow upon me. Not blow upon this brother or blow upon this, but blow upon me. God, do that. So there's a, in this preparation, there's a oneness of mind, there's a oneness of heart, and there's an obedience to his will. If we'll do those things, God will bless. The sky is the, sky is the limits if we'll just do those three preparation things. You said, well, preacher, tell us the rest of the story about that revival in Pennsylvania. The preacher got right, stood up one night, and he said, I want you to forgive me. And he told him why. Wasn't immoral, nothing like that. He was just too busy. He asked me, why, Brother Beckham, is, is the wind of God is not blowing upon my life like, like I see in other preachers? And I said, Pastor, Pastor um, Shut, you have asked me a question I don't want to answer. Because I've answered it with men before and they, they have gotten upset with me. I didn't know it at the time they got upset with me, but they did. And they confessed it in, in front of the national meeting. Years later, the guy got, said, Brother Beckham don't even know. But Brother Beckham, I didn't like what you told me. Bill shut. God told him, he said, Bill, Brother Beckham told you that you're too busy. Do away with all your calendars. Do away with your schedule. And I will continue to blow upon your ministry. And he did. Canceled internationally known men. 
canceled his school, his, all of his ball games, canceled his vacation time, all, and his wife and his children was in agreement. It was amazing. And then he said, after seven weeks, he got up and he said, Church, God has asked me to ask you to fast four days a week, pray and fast four days a week for revival. 600 people. Again, I was sitting, I was sitting there. And I was thinking, wow, how is he going to do this? And I sat up on my edge of my chair because he was calling me up there often, you know, and I got up and I thought, what is he going to do? He didn't just say, church, just answer it to yourself if you will be willing to pray and fast four days a week. Because I'm in this thing for the long haul. He kept saying that, the long haul. I'm in it for the long haul. This is what he said. He said, if you are willing as a church member of Bible Baptist Church, would you be accountable to the rest of the church tonight and stand to your feet. Just stand up, he said. Everybody that will pray and fast that this revival will keep a going. Brother Beckham is going to be leaving. Would you stand to your feet? That's what he said to him. As a church member, Will you stand if you'll fast and pray and be serious? I was sitting there. The wind was a-blowing. People was getting right. People was getting saved. Families were being put back together. And I'm thinking, what's going to happen now? Probably three or four. Oh, yeah, little faith. And all of a sudden, three quarters of 600 people stood. Been a year and a half now. It'll be two years in April. Because I've been asked. Brother Beckham, somebody gets saved almost every other day there, and they walk the aisle on Sunday. You know, 50 families been added. More than that now. Why? They were willing to do what God told them to do. And they allowed that wind to blow. And it blowed... It blowed all the junk and all the sin and all that stuff. Just blowed it right out of that church. They will never be the same. 
as much as I love Berean Baptist Church, I would love to see that happen right here. Just, just because I didn't know that church. Did I know you? I know you. And I can't wait to go back there in April to preach this message. They'll, they'll relate to this message now. Because they have experienced it. Amen? Experienced it. Now, will you do this for yourself and for God? If you're here tonight, and God is speaking to you. And he's tugging at your heart's door. Will you do this? Will you say, yes, Father? What you want me to do? Yeah, I'll do that. And whatever it is, just say yes and do it. And then sit back and enjoy the blessings of God. Because they're they, they're gonna come, God's gonna open the the windows of heaven, and just bless in a great way. The first Sunday I walked into the into Berean Baptist Church, twelve thirteen years ago, you had a good number, but Sunday morning, wow, and even Sunday night it was it was almost full. God can even do greater than that. Oneness of mind. Oneness of heart. And obedience to the will of God. Let's pray. Father, I am so thankful for your book. I am thankful for this message. I am thankful that it spoke to me. And Lord, again, I just hang my hands. I'll take my hands off of the invitation. I won't try to pump it. I'll say very little if anything, and just allow you to do a work. And Lord, I pray that my brothers and sisters will do the same thing. They'll just hang their hands and allow you to do with them what you would like to do. Jesus' name, as our pianist begins to play.